0: 3-1. 381-4567, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study.
1: Welcome into the Virtual Bible Study. This is the Virtual Bible Study for February twenty 2010. We're glad you're a part of it tonight, and we're looking forward to your participation as we go to the Bible to study it, to see what God has told us in His Word. My name is Jacob Gwynn, joined by my father, Greg Gwynn, tonight. Hello, Dad.
2: Jacob, great to be with you. We always look forward to Thursday night and our opportunity to get together with our Internet Bible Study group on the Virtual Bible Study. And you
1: were working uh, while I was introducing the program to uh, hook up our guest uh, sitting between us tonight.
2: Yeah, we have a special guest. Our friend Nick Law from Jennings, Florida is in town tonight. And so we've uh, twisted his arm into joining us for the Virtual Bible Study. Nick, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be with you all again.
1: And we have an
2: important guest, a
1: special guest on the phone with us tonight as well.
2: John Rankin. Uh, from clarksville tennessee is on the phone with us uh john is the founding pastor of extreme ministries in clarksville john welcome to our program
1: oh, i'm sorry john is muted let's try that again john welcome to the virtual bible study
2: hey how are you guys L- doing there we've got you we've got you we got all our wires straightened out now yeah okay. thanks
1: for thanks for being a part of the program tonight john and
2: uh i guess
1: uh we'll introduce you as your signature file on your email uh, introduces you as the place where feet, fist and faith collide.
3: Yeah, that's a great tagline. <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay, John, tell us about what you're doing up there. We, we first uh, learned about you via an article in the Nashville Tennessean which talked about uh, you you use mixed martial arts uh as a as sort of an outreach tool an evangelistic outreach tool to make contact with people that uh, need to be taught about the Lord Jesus Christ
3: yeah that's right um, uh, some kind of background before you know we go there um, I was a Satanist for many years before I became a Christian I uh, was led to the Lord while I was in the army where I'm at right now in Clarksville Tennessee and uh, in roughly 1997 I felt God calling me to move back to Clarksville uh, to the place where I was led to the Lord at uh, to start a church um, and during that whole time I was a professional fighter throughout my Bible college um, and I've been I've been involved in mixed martial arts really close to its inception in 1996 and so uh, when I came here uh, you know I just did what I did all the way through my early years as a Christian um, started training in mixed martial arts and Started offering that, and then through the process of doing that, people started coming to know Jesus, and uh, it became what it is today.
2: Okay, John, now, for those of us who may not be totally familiar with mixed martial arts, tell us tell us what's involved. Well, it there. Used,
1: it, as I understand from the Tennessean article, that this was illegal in Tennessee until a couple years ago.
3: Well, it was. Uh, as a matter of fact, it was illegal in a lot of states uh, throughout the country. Um, based on some, number one, bad marketing by the UFC in the beginning. But what mixed martial arts is is a combination of like high school wrestling, judo, jiu-jitsu, kickboxing, boxing, um, and some of the martial arts uh, that are really notorious around the world.
2: So this is basically no-holds-barred fighting.
3: Yeah, they don't use that term anymore because once the, the states legalized it, uh, there was the introductions of some rules for safety, uh, and they've done a really a, a great job um, of, of eliminating some of the stuff that could have caused potentially really serious injuries. Okay, now,
1: the, now, the, the fights, the fights uh, do they typically occur in a, in a steel cage?
3: Well, it depends on where you're at in the country. Steel cages tend to run you about, you know, ten to $20,000, so it depends really on the level of the show. Uh, a lot of the amateur shows use the boxing ring because it's, you know, a lot more uh, cost-effective. Okay. So, But, yeah, they are the stuff that takes place in the cage if you're watching it on TV.
2: Now, it, 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 I'm real uninformed in this stuff, John, but this is your purpose in, uh, if, if you're in one of these fights, you want to get your opponent to submit and give up. And don't they use the expression tap out? He taps the the mat yeah, to I, say he's done.
3: What, yeah, what would happen is is that could do like an arm bar or a leg lock or what's called a choke, which we use in the Olympic sport of judo, um, and the guy can give up without sustaining any damage to his body. Okay. And that's what makes the sport unique and actually makes it a lot safer than boxing, is is that it's honorable to quit if you've been put in a position that could cause you harm.
2: Okay. All right. Now, that's the background on this kind of fighting. Tell us, we're more interested, obviously, in in the religious tie in that you're making with this kind of thing. We, and you're, you're not the only one. You said you didn't know the other fellow mentioned in the Tennessee in an article. There was a, there was a, a mixed martial arts match right here in our town of Columbia, Tennessee, uh, with another, uh, religious leader out of Dixon, which is a town between you and us. And, uh, he's doing, he's doing sort of the same sort of thing. We're intrigued by the idea that something that seems to us, now we understand we're uninformed. We've we've not been sure, to any sure. of these matches, but it seems pretty violent. I mean, and the idea of using that as an evangelistic outreach. Tell us, tell us what your motivation, and your thinking on that.
3: Sure. Well, the first thing I'd like to probably just ask you guys about is: Have you ever looked up the root of the word violence? Um, if you look that up, it means to actually violate someone else's rights, um, and it's often used, especially in legal language. Uh, when you're talking about rape, when you're talking about murder, theft, uh, to violate someone or to do violence on somebody is, is really, uh, abusing someone else's privileges and rights. So the first thing that I would, uh, I would argue is, is that it, in, in fact, it is not violent because you have two adults that come into the ring under an understanding that we are going to compete against one another. And, uh, so, you know, that in and of itself, I think, eliminates the word violence.
2: Well, I think you mentioned that uh, uh, this this mixed martial arts, in your opinion, is not as I think in the article you were quoted as saying it's not as violent or not as not not as much potential for injury in this sport as maybe football or hockey.
3: Absolutely, that is absolutely true. Um, and I'll use a couple of illustrations for you. In 20 years since mixed martial arts inception into the United States. Uh, there has been one death that was done in an amateur show because they didn't do the proper things, which was a a CAT scan on the fighter before he competed. And just the last year, there were six deaths in high school football. Um, So in 20 years of mixed martial arts, we don't have uh, but one death. In the last year of football, we have six on the uh, high school level. All right. The other thing is – go ahead.
2: Now, now my question would be to you, John – I would also be surprised to know that someone was even using football or hockey as as an an evangelistic outreach tool. Go go there with us. Tell us. Tell tell us. uh, and, and i'd be interested in just from from a biblical point of view what what is your what's your justification for using this methodology
1: no no offense john but it seems to to be somewhat of a gimmick to try and uh, you know do the bait and yeah, switch yeah. to you know lure yeah. a man with the martial arts and then try and slip a little jesus in on him on the on the side
3: yeah you know and and some people have said that and so i'll, I'll explain that in great detail if you let me sure um you know here's my perspective uh, in and of itself Football, hockey, mixed martial arts, cross-stitching, motorcycle racing, drag racing, uh, or any other type of activity that you can think of absolutely has nothing to do with the gospel in and of itself. Uh, Where I come in at is is that, and it doesn't matter to me what you're doing, you could be bowling or playing golf, that the process of introducing the gospel to these people is not in the sport in and of itself, it's through the relationship building that happens because I share a, a hobby and a common interest with you, and over the course of a couple of weeks, a couple of months, maybe even a couple of years, you and I will become friends. As we become friends, we will begin to hang out, and then if I'm being really what Jesus told me to be, which is salt and light to the world, you will eventually see my faith and begin to ask me questions of faith. Now, as far as the gimmick part goes, everyone that comes into our gym knows up front there's a church in our gym, and, and we are very outspoken of the fact that uh, that there's a church there, that I believe in Jesus Christ. There's only one way to go to heaven, and that's through him. Um, and so, there, you know, the idea that there's a gimmick would imply that we are not straight up, uh, right from the get-go, about who we are and what we're doing. Well, that's not true. Um, if you actually, you know, in our town, they have tons of articles uh, being written about us. Uh, even before the New York Times article came out, and it's on our website, the church link's on our website. We are very open about the fact that we are a church that offers martial arts training, and we never push it on anybody. We we let it occur naturally, organically. Uh, you know, uh, with the Japanese actually were down last week interviewing me, and through the process of the interview they asked me if I would speak with some of my younger fighters, and one of my younger fighters uh, asked me to pray, that he would understand what God's will for his life is. Um, now, he knew up front uh, uh, that, you know, I was a believer, that uh, that all those type of things, and then it just became a natural part of what happened that day. So, uh, I, you know, I mean, I get what you guys are saying, and if you don't have the whole story, it can come across as a gimmick. But it's not. This is the way we've always been since our, our inception.
1: The number to call is 877-381-4567. If you have a question you'd like to ask John, 877-381-4567, or send an email to questions at collegeview.com. Uh,
2: John, I, I, you know, in talking with you, i got I got to admit that I think a lot of Christians do what you're suggesting. They may not call it the same thing. You call it relationship evangelism, uh, but, you know, I, we get out in the community maybe we get involved in little league baseball or invite a uh, neighbor over for dinner Invite a neighbor over for dinner maybe right. join the the Lions Club or the uh something like that with the idea that we'll meet people we'll establish some kind of relationship with them and we might be able through that to influence them uh in in spiritual matters so you know uh, I think I think people do that I think the the thing that's shocking Probably when they hear what you're doing is that this is, you know, seems like, uh, uh, you know, uh, we'll use that word again, violence, uh, a form of violence. But uh, uh, I I actually can understand what you're saying, that it it is it is no more so than some other things that people do. Maybe, uh,
1: John, let me ask you to answer a question from Jonathan in Cookville in our chat room tonight. He says it's not wrong to try and teach people about God wherever you are. But should the church be involved with extracurricular activities to bring people in?
3: Well, I think that we absolutely should be because, as you guys probably know and as maybe some of your listeners know, um, the last time I checked, the world wasn't lining up at our doors to come in and ask us questions. We've got to go out. We've got to reach them wherever they're at. Obviously, within some certain guidelines, you know, I am not one to espouse going to a strip club or to a bar. Or well, that's any of that interesting. Other kind of stuff. That's interesting.
2: You mentioned it because there was another article in the Tennesseean this last week, and we tried to get this uh, minister to interview us to, with us tonight too, and, and he didn't respond. But th- there, there is a there was an article in Tennessee about a fellow who goes into bars, and and his church meets in bars to drink beer and talk about Jesus. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, there there's some there's some things here that are just way. Out
1: sure. of bounds. John, where, 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 where do you draw the line, John? The, yeah, you, yeah, you draw a line where somewhere. I draw the line. Okay.
3: Yeah. No, and I totally agree with you guys. Listen, man. You know, ultimately, no matter where you sit in this debate, whether you're skeptical, whether you're anti, whether you're pro, we all have to draw the guidelines based on what the scriptures tell us is sin. If the Bible says it's sin, then you ought not to be doing it. I don't care what your motivation is. Hey, look, I'm not going to go out and smoke crack just because I want to reach crackheads. You know, uh, if the Bible clearly lays it out as sin, then you should not be entertaining it, period. Uh, the scriptures have to be our rule. They have to be our authority. They have to be the thing that guides us in everything we do in life. And, uh, you know, so we have to be wary of that. We have to be cautious, um, and, and, and we have to make sure that we're just not trying to appease a system uh, that is really uh, against everything that we stand for.
2: Okay, real quickly, John, and we're almost out of time here in this segment, but... Uh... If I came to your church on Sunday, what would it be like? Would it be like a conventional church service, or is it complete? Absolutely. Okay. Uh,
3: we are we – are, I read you guys' website. You guys are Church of Christ, I believe. That's right. You know, we're a little bit different than you guys, but, you know, really when you come in on Sunday morning, you're going to sing songs, you're going to hear a message, there's going to be prayer. Uh, depending on the Sunday you come, there's going to be communion, and, you know, then they're going to conclude the service, uh, we're going to all hang out, and talk, and have a good time, uh, and then we're going to go about our our lives just like most church goers do. Okay. Um, the thing I would probably like to add is is that there is some biblical precedence for this, and I think that that really comes down to the to the thrust of what we're talking about here, which is is there any biblical precedents to to use these type of methods uh, to reach those that are dying and going to hell? And the answer is is absolutely. Um, Uh, Psalm 144 uh, says that the Lord trains my hands for battle and my fingers for war. Exodus 15.3 says the Lord your God is a warrior. The Lord is his name. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 says that Paul, uh, I I boxed, though not in the air. Uh, And then you have in Genesis chapter 32 where God actually wrestles with Jacob. And the language there in the Hebrew is is that he breaks his hip, uh, which is something very similar to what we do in mixed martial arts. Uh, it's a submission
2: hold. Okay. All right, John. Very interesting stuff. I understand that you've been getting quite a few requests for interviews, and some people have been, uh, what you told me on the phone, some people have been less than kind in in
3: uh, challenging
2: yeah. you about what you're doing. Yeah.
3: Yeah. We have had some. Some pretty interesting uh, uh, interviews, but you guys have been great.
1: Well, Very respectful but, but, but and honorable. but John, we do disagree. Before yeah, we we, 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 we
2: can't we, we couldn't conscientiously do what you're doing. I mean, but uh, and I think a well, lot you of, know,
3: here's here's the thing, guys. I don't expect you to do what I'm doing. What what God has called you to do is different than what He's called me to do, and you know, what you know, God's not called me to do a radio show on the internet. And, you know, the radio show on the internet's not biblical either. Now, it's not anti-biblical, and I love what you guys are doing. I think it's a great idea. But I think it's a mistake for people to leave this conversation thinking that MMA is the only way to reach people. I don't care if you're bowling. I don't care if you're golfing. I don't care if you're cross-stitching. I don't care if you're doing a radio show, man. Our job is to be light and salt to the world and reach those who are going to hell. And some of our methods might not be quite what the world thinks that they should be. But you know, at the end of the day, if we're not sinning or violating the principles of the Scripture, then let's go out and get the lost. I think we could agree on that.
2: Okay, John. Th- thanks so much for for spending some time with us on the virtual Bible study tonight. Uh, I think we understand what you're doing a lot better after talking to you.
3: Great. I, I really appreciate you guys having me. Okay.
2: Thanks, friend.
1: All, All right. right. Eight South seven. Th- thank you, John. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. What do you think about the mixed martial arts? You think it's authorized? You think it's something? We ought to be engaged in. Uh, are there any limits uh, to what we can do? Uh, that's pretty far out there. Do you think that's acceptable? Where do you draw the line? Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this.
0: You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. This is Greg
2: Wynn with this week's Bullet Point. The newspaper story told about a 19-year-old woman who filed suit against a bar that served intoxicating drinks to her and against a man who purchased drinks for her and then loaned her his car to drive home. She sustained injuries when she wrecked the man's car and claimed that the bar and the car owner were negligent in the matter. Much could be and has been said about the problems of teenage alcoholism, drunken driving, selling of intoxicants to minors, and so forth. It is sad but true that this kind of indecency occurs all too frequently in our perverted society. But the significant thing about this story is the blatant attempt of this young woman to blame everyone else for her own misdeeds. We agree that the bar and the car owner should be prosecuted. But let's not forget that 19-year-olds are fully capable of knowing right from wrong in these matters. Seems that this woman should be questioned as to why she was at the bar in the first place, why did she accept the drinks, why would she attempt to drive while intoxicated, and so forth. We think that everyone involved in such a case should be punished to the full extent of the law, and we would hope that prudent judges would set this young woman and others like her straight about the matter of individual accountability. What we see here is basic human nature in action. We all tend to point the finger of blame at someone else to excuse our own failings. Men have been doing this ever since the Garden of Eden. It obviously continues to this very day. Even in the Lord's Church, we frequently hear of those who point to others when they ought to be searching their own hearts about the sins that have been committed. The fact of the matter is that these pathetic efforts to blame others for our own faults sounds no better now than it did way back in the Garden of Eden. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study, and we hope you'll tell others about the program. We're always open to your feedback concerning topics for discussion and suggestions as how we can make the program more effective. Drop us a line at questions at collegeview.com or call us toll-free at 877-381-4567.
0: Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. And we're back
1: on the virtual Bible study tonight. Thank you for being a part of it. We just concluded an interview with John Rinkin, who is engaged in mixed martial arts to try and pull people to Christ. What do you think about that? Send us an email, get in the chat room, or let us know your thoughts over the phone at 877-381-4567.
2: Jacob, during the break, the three of us were sitting here talking about this situation, and there. I think there's, there's a, a couple of things that we would want to emphasize after talking to John. One is that I, I personally don't have any problem with the fact that I might get involved in different kinds of activities that I could use as a means to meet people and have a chance to influence them.
1: You've got to be in the world. Right. Uh, and making contact with those who are sinners.
2: Yeah. And Christ, Christ did that. And Paul did that. Paul said in First Corinthians chapter 9, beginning verse 20, To the Jews I became a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, not being without law to God, but under law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak I became weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now Paul wasn't saying that he engaged in sinful activities, but he was saying that he tried to relate to the people uh, in, in such a way that he could be able to teach them and save some. He said, and so I think Paul was stating a principle there that similar to what John was saying. You got to you got to be around the people. You got to meet the people. You got to have some opportunity to know them so that when they when they reach a point. That they're interested or have some desire for religious information, they, they'll ask you about and it. And
1: Jesus said we're going to be light to the world, and we're going to put that light on a candlestick, not under a bushel. So that means that we're going to have to be out there where people can see our light. Yeah. And so to that extent, we agree with John.
2: Yeah. Now, where we w- I think where we'd probably have a serious breakdown with John is on the idea of of the church being involved in those kind of activities don't you jack certainly
1: uh we don't have any uh example of the church building a gym and they they were very into sports in the new testament times nick uh, uh sporting competitions were very uh popular there are still remains of large uh, stadiums where people would go to view sporting events but we don't see the church using that to lure people in. Now, certainly, Christians in the first century may, in fact, have been involved in sporting activities themselves, meeting people while they were sporting. But the church was not building the stadiums. The church was not providing for those uh, avenues of recreation.
4: That's correct. The the Lord said, if we're going to be drawn to God, that we have to be taught of God. John 6:44. And uh, all they that are taught of God, every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. So. Uh, it's going to be important as to what John is teaching, uh, the guy we interviewed, uh, and also it's important as to what we're teaching exactly as right to where there's from the Father. Romans one sixteen still says that the gospel is the power of God unto
2: salvation. And so during the during the interview, we asked him about, is this sort of like a bait and switch? Well, I think somebody in the chat room said it's like a bait and punch, <laughs> maybe, uh, uh, you know. Uh, I don't think we do that with the gospel. The gospel truth is what saves people. The gospel is the power of God into salvation. The gospel is what needs to draw people. Uh, again, uh, it, it's it's sort of a uh, there's sort of two sides to this coin. One is that as an individual Christian, I I I look for opportunities to be involved in situations where I might be able to meet and influence people for Christ. That's I think that's appropriate, as you said, Jacob. Jesus said, you know, set your light on a can, set your candlestick. Light on a uh, candlestick. Light on a candlestick. Don't mm-hmm. put it under a bushel. No, mm-hmm. we, we want we want to be around people. We want them to know we're Christians, and have and and then we hope that we'll have a chance to influence them or teach them. But the church doesn't engage in those activities, and we've got to have complete faith and trust in the fact that the gospel is the saving power, and that's what we need to use to 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 ultimately influence people 877-381-4567 if
1: you want to comment on the phone tonight or send an email to questions at collegeu.com jesus encountered the same type of scenario in his day in john chapter six uh when he fed the multitudes and the multitudes then were drawn to jesus not for what he was teaching but for the physical and carnal attraction much like Many in the world today are using the physical and carnal to attract people to themselves. Again, it seems like John may be doing that with his mixed martial arts, uh, trying to attract people to him with the mixed martial arts and then teach them the gospel. Jesus said, though, he condemned the people for being interested in carnal means. In John chapter 6, verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Jesus wants to draw people the gospel, not to their carnal attractions. Exactly
2: right. Um, we mentioned in our interview with John uh, another article that was in the Nashville, Tennessee, and that talked about a, a group known as the Axis Church. Their preacher is Jeremy Rose. We tried to get uh, him to join us for an interview tonight, but we didn't get a response from him. This Axis Church, uh, very unorthodox. Uh, on the, the article says on a Monday night rose and five guys from his church sat around a table at JJ's market and cafe in Nashville drinking beer and talking about Jesus. Sounds pretty unorthodox. This group, this Axis church in Nashville, one of three local churches with ties to a church planning group called acts 29. I hadn't heard of that before this article. I looked them up on the internet and they're using it says this group Acts 29 attracts young men with unconvin- with an unconventional approach to religion. I would say meeting in a bar and drinking beer to talk about Jesus is unconventional, Nick. Uh, but they they have 200. They've already launched 200 churches and a hundred more are in the works. They they're founding. Uh, was was was, it it was founded by seattle megachurch pastor mark driscoll and mark driscoll has been nicknamed the cussing pastor uh for the r-rated sermons that have included graphic talk about sex and caustic criticism of other christians they they call themselves this this organization calls themselves acts 29 because there's 28 chapters in acts and and Acts 29 suggests that this is a continually evolving sort of thing that, you know, we just got to keep moving with the culture. At least
1: they're honest. Uh, They're not getting their authority from the scriptures, and uh, they're willing to admit that. So uh, let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com or join in the chat room with lots of other listeners there tonight. and A lot of chatter going on in the chat room. Uh, Rhonda in Oklahoma City says there's a denominational group out there that gives away $100 gift cards for coming to their Bible studies. Don't you think you could get a house full
2: if you offered a $100 gift card? Now, Nick, you I could, believe so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that wouldn't,
4: anybody could do that, right? Especially in these economic times. Exactly. Now, we
2: might draw the line and say, no, we're
1: not going to give away the $100 gift card. But... Are we going to use other means? And people are using other means—carnal means—to attract people. Carnivals in the church parking lot, and that's something that happens all around these days. Set up the uh, Ferris wheel in the, in the parking lot, Nick. Get people to bring their kids, give them balloons and hot dogs, and while they're there, maybe you can slip a little Jesus in on them.
4: Yeah, the carnal thinking is going to keep people carnally minded, and uh, Romans teaches us in chapter eight that you know the carnal mind is enmity with God, and that's what we have to make sure as we look at the scriptures you know the scriptures are profitable the acts 29 those guys are showing very clearly that they don't believe second timothy 3 16 and 17 that the man of god is completely furnished titus and others were completely furnished uh in the first century and yet they're adding uh new things exactly right
2: paul condemned the corinthians in first corinthians three because they were carnal and not spiritual and and so you know our purpose is not to attract a a, a, a large crowd of carnally minded people we're trying to help people establish a spirituality in line with what the bible teaches that god desires in us
1: all right we need to take another break and during the break we'd like to hear from you we'll give, give us a call right now during the break and get on the line we'll bring you up on the other side eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven 381 4567 the number is toll free Or send an email to questions at collegeview.com. One more break uh, to go after this one. we got the bottom of the hour break, and we'll continue the discussion
0: right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement.
2: us in His Word. We realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps. As a result, what we think or feel doesn't really matter. All that matters is what God has said. So that's what the Virtual Bible Study is all about. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Thanks again for joining us tonight, and we will hope you'll make plans to join us every Thursday night for the Virtual Bible Study. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile in South America, and I love to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. Gracias.
0: Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. Welcome
1: back into the virtual Bible study. If you are not in the chat room, follow the instructions on your screen to join in the discussion with other listeners. But better yet, give us a call at 877-381-4567. Or if you'd like your comment to be uh, more uh, seen, send an email to questions at collegeview.com. Jonathan in... Cookville, Tennessee, says, if I, as a person, want to get involved with a sporting event simply so that I can try to be a good Christian example to those around, that's great. However, the question is still, where does the church fit into this? We simply don't see those methods being used in the Bible. Anthony and I think Jonathan,
2: by the way, I think Jonathan's right on the mark there. I mean, bottom line. We don't see the church using these kind of methods in the first century, even though we know that first century people were – they were very interested in athletics. I mean uh, we, we, we know the history of, of Greece, for instance, and the uh, athletic competitions that they engaged in in the very time. That the New Testament was being written, and yet there's no reference in the New Testament to the church being involved in using those kinds of methods to attract people.
1: All right. Uh, Anthony in Columbia agrees. He says, I guess I don't have an issue with using hobbies to reach people, but can we institutionalize this and make it a part of the church's work? Jason in Pennsylvania says uh, along the same lines, I just don't understand how someone can say that God is calling them to use mixed martial arts within the church to teach. Uh, so, again, making the distinction between what we do as individuals and the, the, and, what the church. And Anthony says, in. again,
2: the Lord didn't use anything other than truth to win souls. And I think that's exactly right. All
1: right. Uh, Jonathan in Cookville agrees. He says if the apostles wanted to reach out to athletes and others, getting involved with sports would have been the perfect avenue uh, since the culture of that time. Nick was engaged in sports, but we don't, again, see them using that carnal attraction and everyone likes to eat nick everyone has to eat and uh, even jesus when he could have had you know he had the food at his disposal he could have uh, fed the multitudes he did not attract them with that
4: yeah we, we see what jesus is doing uh, as the son of god in john 6 that you mentioned earlier with feeding the people it it was an individual doing that that's not the church what jesus did but he he also was showing and demonstrating who he was, the Son of God through that process as well, okay all right eight
1: seven seven three eight one four five six seven questions at collegeview dot com join in on the discussion. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Dad, you asked some questions earlier in the day of our listeners uh, who are signed up to our update list of some questions that we wanted to discuss
2: uh, on the program tonight exactly right um, we're dealing with a question of this sort of unorthodox Christianity. In other words, people don't want conventional church. They want something different. And I even heard one radio commentator this week talking about the fact that he believed you could be religious without being in a church. And so we asked some questions along that line. You know, people looking for something different, something unorthodox. Could we be a Christian but not be in a church? Uh, and so here's the questions we sent out to our update list earlier today. How would you rate being a member of a church? Not necessary at all, number one. Number two, a good thing to do but not necessary. Number three, necessary but not critical to one's salvation. And number four, absolutely necessary. And I ask you to, to explain and defend your answer. How? What do you think? Do I need to be a member of a church? Is it, is it a part of God's plan? Is it a necessary thing? Or can I just sort of be a Christian at large? That's, that's that question. What do you think, uh, is it necessary or not necessary, basically? And then two follow-up questions to that. What are the benefits of church membership? And number three, what are the potential negative aspects of church membership? You know, in other words, what are the good things I gain by being a member of church? Is there any downside? Is Are there any negatives to deal with as I'm a member of a church? And so if you've got some thoughts along those lines, please respond. And we'd, we'd love to, to hear from you.
1: alright eight one four five six seven right, 877-381-4567 is toll-free. Call in, let us know your thoughts, send an email to questions at collegeview.com. And if you're in the chat room tonight without a username, you are not logged in, the ability has been turned on for you to make comments in the chat room without a username. So you can make anonymous comments. In the chat room tonight, join in the discussion there. what do you think about the questions that we've asked? Uh, do we need to be a part of a of a church? It seems like uh, churches in our society today, Nick, are becoming very unpopular and uh, if you say the word church, it's almost like uh, you're saying something uh, something bad to many people they don't want anything to do with it
4: yeah, and I think uh, a lot of that has to do with uh, the perception that people have about what the church is. Uh, we see in the New Testament that uh, you know the Bible teaches very clearly in, in passages like Romans uh, chapter uh, 12 and also 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that there we are members one of another. We we have responsibility one to the other. Uh, the Apostle Paul in Acts 9 uh, when he was trying to join himself to the church after Ananias had baptized him, and of course he had been added by the Lord to the universal church, but he's trying to be a uh, glued to that local group of disciples at jerusalem and of course they were afraid of him and and yet we see people today have a misconception about uh their, their responsibility to be part of a local church
1: so paul's understanding was that he needed to be a part of the local church and he went it wasn't comfortable probably for him when other people were afraid of him but he made the effort to, to join uh with other members other
2: uh he, he didn't delay when he arrived in jerusalem he didn't delay to seek them out uh, he He took the initiative, you know sometimes people say, "Well, they move to a new t- new area and they say, "Well, you know, I might get around to looking for a church or uh, uh, maybe if they approach me, you know, I might decide to be a member of a church. Paul took the initiative in that matter he he sought them out and he didn't delay to do it uh, the church I think one of the things we see in that text in Acts chapter nine is the church. Put him to the test to make sure he was a true and genuine Christian. Uh, you know, that you get the idea that there that the church has a right to put people to the test before they extend fellowship to them to see if they are uh, faithful to the Lord. But but when they did with Paul, they found that he Barnabas spoke up in his defense and and they extended fellowship to him and he he got busy working as a part of that congregation.
4: Yeah, he, he and Barnabas also went on down to Antioch and became a, members of that church. And we see the great work that they did there uh, through the direction of the Holy Spirit to the brethren there in Acts 13 going out preaching.
2: I got a got an email from John. He's apparently listening as uh, now on, on the air. John uh, asked us about Exodus 15, verse 3. He said, I noticed no one's addressed. Exodus 15:3, which says the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. So what about that? uh uh, does that suggest you know he i think f- from those several verses that John mentioned in our interview he's saying you know those kind of verses to him would imply that using mixed martial arts or something like that is is okay because the lord is a man of war well and
1: uh, in and god does use uh use men to execute judgment on people uh, today even Uh, We believe he's done that throughout time, but his kingdom today is spiritual in nature. uh, So he's not instructed us to be uh, violent towards others or to uh, to to be bloody uh, today. Now, the question about whether or not martial arts is simply an athletic adventure or if it is actually, you know, wanting to do harm to someone else is another issue that we could discuss Um, but, uh, God clearly has told us not to be wanting to do harm
2: to others. Well, when we think of the Christian armor today, back in those days, Nick, in the old Testament times, God sent the children of Israel out to do war in physical armor, but the Christian's armor today in Acts or uh, Ephesians chapter six is, uh, is a spiritual armament. We don't fight a carnal
4: warfare. God is ordering people to go to war. We see there He's fighting in the particular text He's speaking of with Pharaoh. Of course, God is fighting the battle for them. They didn't really actually turn around and fight. Uh, we see that God drowned the Egyptians as they crossed over the Red Sea. And so He's protecting His people and we understand for the purpose. But as we, uh, as you said, we, we look to the New Testament. We see that the responsibility we have in the Old Testament prophecies was about God's people beating their, uh, Plowshares. I mean, there are spears in the plows and yeah. and the pruning hooks. In other words, farming equipment and exactly. uh, things of that nature. Uh, in in Second Corinthians ten, Paul said,
2: "Now in this time, as Christians, he said, we walk in the uh, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal." but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. That
1: goes along with what Jesus said in John chapter 18, verse 36. He said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. And so we see in the Old Testament that God's people were, it was a physical kingdom, and they were fighting to preserve and to establish that kingdom. Now in the New Testament dispensation, Jesus said his kingdom is not of this world and we 're not using uh, carnal warfare today,
2: exactly right, and then John asked one more question about uh, uh, why does Paul say uh, that he boxed and, uh, and i 'm trying to find that verse i 'm not well, gonna...
4: first corinthians nine twenty seven I remember is... him using that uh, the new king James says, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified in that context he 's dealing with uh, you know, people who run the race, they run the race by rules. We enter the race to get to heaven is the idea, I think, of the context. And the uh, discipline of that Paul is talking about is his own personal discipline. You preach you preach the truth to others to get them to do what's right. And Paul, just like any other man, even though he was an apostle, he had to discipline himself and make sure that he did what God says. And, and that's, that's the, the point.
2: Context of, of, that's correct. Uh, and in the that's, previous verse to that one is where he said, I therefore so run not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air, That's right. and so he was talking about his discipline in himself and to serve the Lord faithfully he
1: wasn't making a he wasn't saying he literally is uh is boxing I think is what is the reference perhaps he's alluding to there that that Paul would have been engaged in a physical boxing match
2: okay, all right um, what about the idea of, uh, of church being necessary? i I gave four choices uh when I asked the question you, uh, when you rate it the idea of being a member of a church is it not necessary at all a good thing to do but not necessary necessary but not critical to one's salvation absolutely necessary we got a response from Keith In uh isn't Keith in hendersonville uh no no, no this, this is, is, this, Keith is Keith, this is Tennessee. Keith in Lynchburg okay Keith in Lynchburg Keith glad you're listening he says it's absolutely necessary one must have a group to keep all accountable to edify and exhort one another and to participate in worship uh, with. Jesus said in Matthew 18:20, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. In Hebrews 10:24 and 25, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I would I would certainly agree, Keith, with you on Hebrews ten, suggesting the idea of the importance of assembling with Christians, the importance of being a, a member of a local congregation where I can encourage others and gain encouragement from others. I think Hebrews ten, twenty-four and twenty-five definitely suggest that. Uh I'm not so comfortable with the use of Matthew eighteen, twenty. Nick, before the program we were talking a little bit about that. I hear a lot of people who use Matthew eighteen verse twenty to suggest that where two or three are gathered together, there I am in the midst of them. I don't think that's talking about a church assembly. Uh, Nick, could you explain that a little bit?
4: Well, as I think of the verse, certainly uh, two or three would be in a church assembly, but at the same time we might be two or three like we are tonight. We're not a church assembled together. We, we, We're not the church acting uh, per se Uh as just because we're together that could get us in but, a lot
1: of dilemmas too. say the three of us going to business together now is the church involved in some kind of a business venture
4: and i believe in uh is it matthew 15 uh previous to that in 18 where it's talking about uh brethren you know when someone uh, sins against you you go to the, go to the brother let him know the uh sin that he has committed if he won't listen to you you take two or three more uh and then it of course in that that That's a process of two or three people, and I believe the very principle of, of the verse there would say when when you two or three meet together you're 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 meeting together, doing by the authority of Christ to try to solve this issue you're still not the church right. uh, Because could, the third you, step would be you take it before the church yeah. so uh, but so I would agree with it that you could have just two or three people who are make up a local church that that may be the case. Uh, and they would be the church function. Just because you have two or three people together does not constitute a church. Exactly right. I
2: guess So the that. context of that statement in Matthew chapter 18, where two or three are gathered together, the context of that is he had just told them, if you've got an unfaithful brother, try to restore him. And there's a, there's a three-step process there that he sets forth, try to restore this one who's sinned. And if he doesn't, if he won't repent, then Jesus said, let him be as a heathen man and a publican. And he says the next verse, verse 18, for whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. In other words, he said, basically he said, I'm with you in that. You take these steps righteously. You you take these uh, different methods to try and restore this brother. And I am with you in that matter. And when you join together in such work, I am with you. He's not saying I'm with you in an assembly, a worship assembly. He's saying I am with you in these matters When you're following my will, even in something like trying to discipline an unruly brother. All right. uh, Peter has responded. He's from Stoke-on-Trent, England. We heard from Peter several weeks ago. We hadn't heard from him in a while, Peter. Glad that you have found us again on the Virtual Bible Study. He says, in response to your
1: question, I would say that it is necessary but not critical to one's salvation. ...is where I would come from. My personal situation is such that I am unable to attend church every week due to work commitments. I attend communion at my hospital's chapel when I am able to get my lunch break to coincide. I read the Bible every day using the Church of England lectionary readings. I pray every day, but most importantly, I try to be a good person all the time, which surely is one of the most important aspects of Christianity. I have known many people through my life who have been regular churchgoers every Sunday without fail, but who forget God and their behavior the other six days... Am I to believe that God will look more favorably on them and condemn me at the time of judgment? I don't believe so. I believe that
2: God loves all. Okay, so, so Peter is taking the view that he thinks it's basically a good thing to do, but not an absolutely necessary thing. And, it, and he mentions some, I guess we would use the word hypocrites in the church. You know, he thinks, and, and and we we're not trying to justify hypocrites in the church either. I mean, obviously the Lord has a lot to say about the problem of hypocrisy people who attend church services but not living as they ought to the other days of the week. Okay. There's no ju- we're not justifying that either, but I would I would have to say that I believe that it is necessary. We got an email from Arthur in Coaloka, Tennessee who offers the verse Ephesians 3:21 unto the Lord be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages world without end. Amen. We glorify the Lord in the church You know, one of the things we haven't mentioned is that if we have done the necessary things to be saved from our sins, the Lord adds us to the church, Nick, Acts 2.47. So when I obey the gospel plan of salvation, when I submit to the Lord's will, uh, uh, when I'm baptized for the remission of sins, if I've done that in a scriptural manner, if I follow the authority of the word of God, then this acts 247 says the lord adds the saved to the church so you can't be saved without being in the church because if you've done the necessary things to be saved you're in his church now there's two ways in which the word church is used go ahead jacob no no go ahead i was just going to say i
4: mean he adds us to the universal church of all saved believers and then as paul and barnabas they make sure they're members of a local church which is going to be activated for the purpose of eating the lord's supper and and i think keith uh pointed this out a moment ago uh in the sense that uh You know, if you have elders and they're, as Peter would teach in 1 Peter 5, that they're to oversee the flock which is among you, uh, it would, it would show that they have to have someone to oversee. Yeah and uh it would have to be among them that's not the universal church that they're overseeing but uh that would that would require people to be members to show up or who who are they going to feed and, 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 and shepherd and and
2: there's mutual accountability
4: in right. that arrangement
1: and along the lines of what peter said hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 and 25 was mentioned a couple times by some listeners in the chat room tonight not only do we need to be a part of a church, we need to assemble regularly with them. According to the instructions of Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, let us provoke one another to let's consider one another to provoke to love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching.
2: All right. We've got just uh, we've, we've got one more break to take. and We've got a few minutes left after the break. We want to talk about the advantages of church membership and what would be the potential negatives uh, what are the what are the potential negatives if we just when we are a member of a and, of a local church and
1: we've really had the chat room worked up about the mixed martial arts uh, ministry and so if you want to comment on that why not give us a call and let us know your thoughts 877-381-4567 we can take your call when we come back from the other side of this break don't go anywhere the virtual bible study continues right after this
0: Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton.
4: In 1 Peter 3:15, the Scripture says, "But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear." You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh, and I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the virtual Bible study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the virtual Bible study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time.
1: My name is Cole, and I'm eight years old. My name is Thomas, and I'm seven years old. And our families love to listen to the virtual Bible study.
0: And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program.
1: Welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. We're glad you're a part of it. Join in as we are running out of time. Send us an email, give us a call, or join in the chat room.
2: In regards to being a member of a local church, uh, Jacob, we've got uh, an email from our friend Al down in Florida. Hadn't heard from you, Al, in a long time. Good to hear from you. Uh, Al
1: used to be in Grinnell, Iowa, and I passed a trailer with Grinnell, Iowa, on the side of it on my way to work today.
2: Really? Yeah. We used to know Al in Iowa. Nick knows him in Florida. Uh, He's been been several places, and uh, we're glad to hear from him again. He says, to piggyback on Acts 926, which Nick alluded to, he says, hear what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 4, verse 9. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So he said, do what you saw me do. Now, obviously, Paul saw the necessity to identify with a local body, as we were mentioning from Acts 9. It was his practice to arrange his affairs to be where he needed to be to do what the Lord had expected of him when he needed to be there. For instance, in Acts 20, verses 5 through 7. So so Paul saw the advantage of local church membership, and he said, and, and he and he joined himself to local bodies of Christians when he was in those places. And he said, do what you saw me do. So Paul's example is of that. He says, the inverse of Philippians 4.9 is, fail to follow Paul's example as a disciple, and the God of peace will not be with you. I think that's true. Thank you, Al.
1: All right. Sharon in the chat room makes an, an interesting analogy. She says, if a member of a physical body is cut off, it dies. The same with our spiritual body. We will die if we forsake the body, being the church, and the assembly of that church together. Okay. Jason in Pennsylvania makes another analogy. He says, I love the illustration of coals on a fire. If one falls off, it grows dim and dies. But if it's put back on, <laughs> it burns hot again. The coals burn hotter and longer than the together than they do individually
2: Jonathan says here's an email from our friend Gary in Jackson Tennessee Gary says in consideration of the question is it optional for believers to band together with other local believers his question is is coming together for the Lord's Supper optional Paul okay. when writing concerning Lord's Supper and he, he references several verses from Act or excuse me first Corinthians 11. He says, come together when you come together in the church, when therefore you assemble yourselves together. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. So several several references there to coming together. you got to come together to observe the Lord's Supper. That's not optional.
1: You know, it's uh, interesting that uh, I can imagine Christians in the first century where they're being persecuted. I can imagine that they're looking forward to that time that they can come be with other people who are, have that same
2: faith. Oh, but on, on the other hand... If it wasn't necessary, why, they, to, why, why would they put themselves at risk?
1: Right, but Paul just takes it as a, an established, you're going to be coming together on the first day of the week. Yeah. And when you're coming together, you do this. And yeah. so it, it, exactly the opposite of many today who dread be, coming to worship with this, their, their brethren.
2: Right, Gary goes on, must every Christian be a member of a local church? There is no such thing in the New Testament scriptures described as a membership at large or freelance members of Christ's church or floating members of the body. Circumstances of life must be considered before answering this question. In some cases, the essentiality of local church membership is contingent upon two important factors. One, being where other Christians are, the Ethiopian nobleman may have found himself without the company of other Christians as, as he was converted en route to his homeland. I think that's a good point. You know, he, he, he may not have had a church to, to be a member of, at least initially, until he converted some other people. And then number two, they're walking according to truth in the congregational beliefs and practices. The concept of many churches teaching diversified doctrines is contrary to the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 1.10 and following. Nonetheless, pure and biblical Christianity demands one to be an active member of a scriptural local church, one teaching and practicing only the doctrine of Christ, 2 John 9-11. through Granting these two conditions, membership is essential. There is no other way for believers to continue to to be steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. Where all that believe are together, Acts chapter 2. I think you're right, Gary. I appreciate those good comments.
1: All right. We appreciate those. We still have time. If you want to give us a call, or send us an email uh, to take your thoughts. Now, you uh, mentioned in your questions, and we've got just a little bit of time to get into this. What are some drawbacks and what are some benefits?
2: To church well, membership? I, I think we've talked about some of the benefits, the idea of mutual accountability, the the encouragement that we get from others when we assemble together and work together in a local church sort of the sense of brotherhood and camaraderie that is so vital to all of us i think every every one of us as christian would say i couldn't do without that that's very important and the lord that's that's according to the lord's wisdom the lord saw that that this was a need uh so i i think we've kind of covered the benefits what about some of the negatives What what do you think might be some of the well, uh,
1: Peter in England, he says, uh, I've touched on one of the most common in my experience, negative aspects of church membership in my earlier message. And that being of the on, the Sunday only Christian where they uh, come to church on Sunday, then six other days of the week they live however they want. But he says also it's possible to become very denominational oriented and lose sight of the wider picture that we're meant to be serving the Lord. Um, and certainly, um, we know that denominationalism is condemned in the scriptures, uh, Nick. Uh, the Lord wants his believers to be unified the same way that he's unified with the Father. Uh, and so the denominational concept in the world today is not true and not uh, acceptable
4: to God. Yes, sir. <clears throat> there are so many local churches uh, that are denominational in their nature. And then some of some of the Lord's people and the concepts that they have – uh, if we were to become members of that, then we would just be members of what the Lord would be condemning. And, uh, of course, that would be a downside to be, play, just place membership anywhere as we've spoken. So not only does the local church have responsibility to investigate, the, you know, people as to what they are sharing together in, and, and we must be sharers together in the truth for our fellowship to count as we would study in 1 John 1. You know, we need to have fellowship with Christ and the Father so that our fellowship one with the other in a local church is uh, acceptable and not something God would condemn. The churches there in the Revelation letter, we see things that they were having to correct, but at least they were working on the problems, and the letters were for that purpose, the same as First Corinthians, many problems among, and we have to deal with those things, and we may look at that as the downside. But uh, when we see the church is being persecuted, for example, you know, it, it uh, in, in the book of acts we see christians scattered whenever we're preaching the gospel so you know uh, we're going to be visible when we are working together in unity and people will attack that oppose and, and so that exactly right i don't think that's a downside but you know sometimes people look at that as the downside. yeah, yeah.
2: I, I would think a potential downside might be you know churches have problems every church has problems all the churches in the new testament had issues Like at Corinth, there was a there was a world of trouble at Corinth, but it was still the right thing to be a part of that congregation. And and uh, uh, so, you know, churches, local churches are made up of fallible human beings, and therefore we're going to have issues to deal with. And that's sort of a downside maybe to local church membership, but it's still a necessary thing.
1: That's right. Well, we're out of time, but we've had a good discussion tonight, and uh, we do uh, want again appreciate uh, John Rinkin for being a part of the program. We agree with him in part, but we disagree with him in that the fact that he's – making it a part of the church's work to uh, be engaged in these
2: He, he sent in works. one more email, Jacob, in which he was suggesting that God didn't or the, the Lord didn't tell Roman soldiers that they had to give down, give up their swords or their weapons and he even told his disciples that they didn't have a sword, go buy one, and I think I think John there is, is still trying to emphasize the idea of the fighting part of and that's,
1: that wasn't really our focus Yeah. All, uh, the, our focus the,
2: was more on the idea of this unconventional approach to Christianity Trying to lure people
1: in with that, but again we we don't have a problem with being out in the world and trying to get contacts, Nick, but we do have a problem with trying to sort of lure people with those with those yeah. Yeah, carnal we were, means.
4: We want them to be drawn to Christ, to his shed blood and, and, and the faith that is in that we have we must have in the gospel rather than to carnal things. Carnal things are going to go away and uh, they're and if we've attracted them with carnal things, yeah. then
2: they'll go away when the carnal things go away. That's
4: right. If if that's what has attracted them, then uh they're not going to be able to be steadfast.
2: One last verse might be a good one to sum it up. Jacob, uh, Arthur in Cullioca sends in the verse Acts twenty twenty eight, which mentions the church, which Jesus purchased with his blood. The church is important. Jesus purchased, purchased it with his, his blood. blood.
1: Yeah. And uh, if he purchased it with his blood, that's who he's going to save. And yeah. so we need to be a part of it. All right. Well, thank you, Nick, for being a part of the program tonight.
4: Appreciate y'all having me. Thanks, Dad. Thank you, Jake.
2: Appreciate the study
1: tonight. And we appreciate you being a part of it on the other end. We hope that you benefited from our discussion. We hope that you'll make plans to be back here next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.